Hi, I'm Amanda Cage, CEO of the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. Welcome to the state of our workforce, Where Are We Now?, where we go beyond the Department of Labor, Employment and Jobs numbers and explore other issues in workforce development. Today's guest is Carrie Felton, our brand new Director of Worker Success at the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, Amanda. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so first off, happy Apprenticeship Week. Happy Apprenticeship Week, Amanda. <laughs> um, so what, one of the things we really want to talk about today is, uh, is apprenticeships. And it's really timely because as uh, most of our viewers know, uh, we were finally able to pass a very significant infrastructure bill. Um, so we know that there will be significant federal resources coming to local localities around uh, construction and infrastructure. Um, and I will say from my time in workforce development, um, apprenticeship has really grown and um, has become much more universal. Over the last 10 years, we've talked a lot about how do we take this apprenticeship model, this amazing earn and learn model, and um, and really have it expand to other industries like IT. Um, right now, we're even hearing people talk about childcare apprenticeships. Uh, but apprenticeships really originated in the building trades. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about that industry. Uh, one of the things that we know is that we really are concerned about um, diversity in, the, in that industry. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what we could do to make sure that we are really achieving equity within um, apprenticeships in the building trades. So I just wanted to start with that question for you, Carrie. What what can we do to think about equity within this industry? Well, Amanda, I think it's a really it's an important question. It's a critical question. Um, there's going to be a lot of money coming into local communities, uh, specifically in these sectors. Um, I think there's going to be a question with the growth, with the rapid growth of um, this industry, I, it, it'll be interesting to see um, if and how um, individual employers in the industry writ large are able to focus on diversifying um, their labor force. Um, the construction industry itself um, is about 90% white, and there are only about 11% are women. Um, and so that's that's not very diverse. And so there, I think there are really important questions about if and how they do that. And I think there are a few different ways we can think about that. Um, I think it'll be really important to think about, um, you know, what are the recruitment practices, the hiring practices, um, some of those sort of formal strategies uh, that you need to get into this industry, but also the informal, the networks and, and how do you find out about jobs, um, especially if you're a woman or you're a person of color, you're not in, in that group. Those sort of questions, it'll be interesting to see how they're addressed. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that is always uh, shocking to me is that you know, when I first started my work, I did a lot of work with um, women in the building trades and, and helping them think uh, about how they get acclimated to that industry. And we're asking so many of the same questions that we asked then, um, including that issue of network, right? Networks, um, so much of getting, uh, getting time on jobs and hours on projects is about um, getting on the list and making sure that you're put on projects and, and knowing who has access to those lists um, and making sure that we give folks the, um, the ability to network in those situations. Um, given that history, what do you think is different about this moment in time? Uh, 
Yeah, well, I think uh, a couple of things, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen with the pandemic um, and with the racial reckoning that's been happening across the country around police violence and the disproportionate impact of things like the pandemic and just economic factors. You know, there's a greater and a growing awareness around racial disparities and, and how baked in um, to our systems uh, racism is. And so I think that gives me hope for uh, the, ability, the ability of a, a number of different really important actors to kind of move um toward racial equity uh, i think there's a there's a we have a long way to go still <laughs> um but that sort of growing awareness combined with this infrastructure bill which provides the resources right so um if we can you know if if certain uh uh actors can kind of use these resources to leverage and sort of incentivize um change i think there's there's a lot of exciting opportunities um, to embed racial equity and kind of center the experiences of people who have previously historically been excluded from a lot of these opportunities um, to be centered. So you talk a little bit about the different actors, and I know we all know employers are actors, but what other actors do you think are critical to making change in this space? So a couple of things. Um, I think, you know, local governments in a you know, how all of these dollars trickle down is going to be, there's going to be different ways that the money is coming into communities. But um, to the extent that local governments have control of how uh, funding is being leveraged and being dispersed, um, PolicyLink has a great resource about 10 priorities for advancing racial equity um, at the local level. And one of them is um, really focused on centering and naming um, specific racial equity targets and goals. So I think there are ways that you can use that funding um, to, or those funding decisions rather, um, to create some carrots and sticks, right? So incentives and, and holding uh, uh, different folks accountable for building that in. Um, and the workforce development system and, and, and workforce providers, employment providers, job training um, folks, they have um, choices that they can make too of whether or not to who to partner with. Are you going to partner with um, employers or apprenticeship programs that are already centering um, racial equity um, or not? So those are a few few ways. Yeah, I, I, uh, I do want to give a little shout out to one of our collaboratives. Um, I know in Syracuse, when you talk about local government, um, our collaborative in Syracuse really worked with the mayor's office uh, to think about uh, how to embed equity issues within um, their economic development program around building and construction within uh, Syracuse. And they really thought of that not just as being a, an economic development project, but being an equity project. And I think when you uh, get out of the gate with that vision, um, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we made a little video about that. I think we can uh, drop it in so folks can see a, a little video about that process. Um, well, I, I do want to close by just saying that um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the construction industry, but as I said at the beginning, apprenticeships, we've been able to take this model and really expand it to other industries. Um, and I think one of the great lessons that we have learned and we need to think about in terms of making sure that we're disrupting the status quo is that if you're not intentional about equity, um, apprenticeships by themselves aren't 
don't produce equitable outcomes unless you're very intentional about it. So um, I'm excited to, to see what, what happens with the infrastructure money and how our collaboratives and other folks uh, within the industry think about using this opportunity to make real change for people and communities of color. Um, so thank you, Carrie, for talking to me today. And uh, thank you all who are, who are watching and please join us next month uh, when we have this conversation on the state of the workforce again. Thank you. Thank you.